Welcome to Rheumatology Republic podcast. This is Penny Durham. I'm in Atlanta for the American College of Rheumatology annual meeting, and I'm chatting here to Patricia Davidson and Karen Say from the Lupus Foundation of America. Patricia and Karen, would you like to introduce yourselves a little bit further? Hi, thank you so much for having us. My name is Patricia Davidson, and I'm the Vice President of Education for the Lupus Foundation of America. Hi there, also excited to be here today. My name is Karen Say. I'm the Senior Research Coordinator of Health Outcomes at the Foundation. Well, thanks for being with me. Um, There are lots of presentations on um, SLE or lupus here at the conference. What's the work that you've been involved with preparing that's being presented here? Well, thank you. Um, Well, we have two posters um, here at the conference that we're really excited about, and both are on self-management for people with lupus. And so um, one of the areas of self-management that we are presenting on is um, a series, an email series called Take Charge. And another um, self-management program that we are focusing on is an online intervention uh, for self-management based on the trans-theoretical model of change for behavior change. Would you like to tell us a bit about the trans-theoretical model of change? Yes, I'd love that. Um, The trans-theoretical model of behavior change is um, really designed to take a person through stages of change. And they go from pre-contemplation to contemplation and then on to action and then on to maintenance. So it allows a person to have a tailored approach to self-management. And this is important, Karen, because... The progress of drug development for uh, lupus has been sort of slow, hasn't it? So patients need something in the interim before the perfect drugs come along to treat the condition. That's absolutely correct. So since 2011, we really only have one specific drug that's been developed for lupus. Um, But there is a lot of promise on the horizon. But still, we recognize that people with lupus need education and skills to be able to manage their disease effectively in the meantime. And what other research here would you suggest people go and have a look at or will you be having a look at while you're at the conference? Well, we're excited about um, a lot of the research that's coming out um, for lupus at this particular conference. I believe it's grown over time. And this year, it's exciting to look at social determinants. And it's also exciting to look at specific areas um, within lupus, such as um, cardiovascular disease. There's a lot out on um, that area and also on um, really um, behavioral health such as um, handling stress and looking at um, managing your symptoms and also really looking at anxiety and depression and um, in those areas. So we're looking forward to the research in those areas. Yes, I've been surprised to notice, because I wasn't familiar with this, that there is such a large disparity which other you know, presenters have drawn attention to between a Caucasian population and, say, an African-American population. Is that thought to be a matter of purely of genetics, or is there other social determinants, socioeconomic factors thrown in there as well? So I think we're still trying to figure out that question, but certainly it is a mix of social determinants of health, genetics, hormones. Um, So there's a lot of progress um, for research in those areas, but definitely I think um, social determinants plays a big role in those disparities. 
And um, for rheumatologists who might have studied it some time ago um, but aren't SLE specialists, as it were, uh, has the understanding of SLE changed much over the past 10 years? I think certainly we have increased our knowledge on areas like basic science for lupus, but there is a lot of work to still be done. I think our understanding has increased over time, um, but as I had mentioned, we still only have one specific treatment for lupus, so there is a lot to um, work towards in lupus, but there is promise and hope on the horizon um, that we'll have new treatments and a better understanding of not just um, the basic mechanisms behind the disease, but also um, different factors that Trish was mentioning about um, anxiety and depression and other um, lifestyle factors. Do you want to tell me a little bit more, in a bit more detail, about the self-management programs that you've been involved in developing? Sure. So the first program, the Take Charge series, is an email series um, that's currently eight weeks that's designed to increase knowledge of different self-management skills in people with lupus. And some of the topics that we cover um, include coping with lupus um, and really adjusting to having a new diagnosis. We really are targeting newly diagnosed individuals with lupus. Um, In addition, we talk about identifying and tracking lupus symptoms, preparing questions for doctor's appointments, and each week an individual will receive one email about a different self-management skill um, and some additional resources that they can use to um, explore more in depth. And in addition to the email content, individuals also receive additional resources that they can use to augment that content. And I'd like to talk with you about our online um, web-based self-management program um, called SELF. It is strategies to embrace living with lupus fearlessly. And um, it's based on the trans-theoretical model of change, of behavior change. And um, in this intervention, it is designed to allow a person to tailor their approach based on their needs. And so right now, we have gone through a stage of formative research and in-depth interviews. And we have enlisted cultural competency experts, um, subject matter experts, and health literacy experts to really tailor the program um, to the person's needs in a lay way that people can understand and navigate through. And so we've designed the program intentionally to be able to assess Um, accessibility and feasibility for the program. Right now, we are um, piloting the program in three areas, and um, we'll be doing that over the course of the next year, and then we will be able to um, do a research study on self-management for this particular population. And so, um, at this point, um, we are in the process of um, piloting the program in three areas. I'd also like to thank the Centers for Disease Control for um, working with us on on these two programs. Uh, These two programs are funded by a cooperative agreement from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. And it occurs to me that some of the techniques and programs that you're just talking about would be applicable in a wide variety of conditions, not just in SLE. 
It's interesting that you say that because um, there are a number of self-management programs that are out there that are good that work in um, chronic disease. And so what we're hoping to do with our programs is to add to the programs that are available for people with lupus. And although these are specifically designed for people with lupus, our hope is that um, people with lupus can have an array of tools and resources for self-management. And I certainly think that looking at the methods that we're using for both of these programs, that's part of our learnings as well. We want to know if email is a feasible method of delivering self-management knowledge as well as online web interventions. Great. Patricia and Karen, thanks very much for talking to me at the Rheumatology Republic podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.